good morning, NCC. How are you guys doing this morning? Good? It's good to see each and every one of you here. I hope you're having a great Sunday. And once again, if you're our guest, if you're new to NCC or if you're watching for the first time online later this week, we just want to welcome you and say thanks so much for being a part of our service and joining in with us today. We are in this series of conversations called Wonder. And so we've been, um, the past few weeks and even for the next few weeks, we're rehearsing and reflecting on some of the stories of Scripture in that idea of we want to recapture the wonder of God in our hearts. And, you know, from childhood moving into our teenage years and into adult years, it's very easy for us to lose that. Um, We can become cynical. We um, learn more. Maybe we think we know a lot. Um, At some point, we get busy. There's so many distractions in our life. Who has time to really pause and reflect on the wonder of God? And so we hurry through life instead of really seeing the greatness of God and allowing that to impact us on a daily basis. And so in this series, that's what we're doing is we're trying to pause. We're trying to reflect more. We want to look at some stories that are thousands of years old, but I believe are still relevant and they impact us today. And we want to recapture the wonder of God in our hearts and in our lives and see how that affects us as we live out every single day with that curiosity, with that amazement of who God is. And so before we jump into the message, I want us to do something. I'm going to ask um, everyone, if you could reach in front of you and grab one of those cards. Or you can take out your smartphone, but don't be checking Facebook or Instagram, okay? Open up a note or something to write on. So everyone do that. I can see if you guys move or not. You know that, right? So everyone, um, join with us in this, okay? Um, This isn't a pop quiz. You don't have to stress out or anything, okay? So I'm going to ask you to do this. We just want to open our hearts to the wonder of God. So let's start by doing this. Just take a deep breath in and breathe out. Let all the stresses of this week go. And we want to just reflect on God's wonder. And so I want to ask you, I'm going to stop talking just for a moment. And I want you to write down three times in your life, maybe where you've experienced wonder. It could be looking at God's creation. It could be a gift of God in your life, something that you went through that allowed your heart to stop in awe and wonder. I think back to um, last summer, Sarah and I went on a cruise, and I remember one night we're just looking at the vastness of the ocean and all the beautiful colors on the sunset, and it was just kind of a God moment to remember, God, you are so amazing and awesome. And so I want you to write down three times that where your heart was full of wonder. Let's pause and do that right now. Okay, so you still may be writing down one or two. The next thing that I want to encourage you to do that can cause us to lose wonder is when we lose our curiosity, when we lose that amazement and we stop asking questions. And so I'm going to ask you um, to write down three questions. Maybe that you think, when I see God for the first time, this is what I'm going to ask him. One of mine is, did Adam have a belly button? 
I mean, I know he didn't have to because he wasn't born. God created him, but maybe he did. Maybe God gave him a belly button. And so what are three things that just spark curiosity, um, questions that you have for God? Let's take a moment and you can write down three things like that. So you can keep writing if you're still thinking of a question or two, but I'm going to continue on. And this is kind of the purpose of this series. This is part of the purpose is that, once again, we're opening up our hearts, we're pausing, and we're reflecting on the greatness of God. We're not losing that curiosity that we had as young children, but we're keeping that and we're allowing it to open our hearts to see the greatness of of God. And so I want to encourage you continue to do these things as we walk through these stories and as we even look at the story today. So today we're going to um, revisit, we're going to reflect on a story that's found in the Old Testament. This was hundreds of years before the time of Christ. And this story takes place in an area in the Middle East called Samaria. And so I want us to learn a little bit about the background and the culture. So let's watch this video together. Hi, I'm going to give you a few facts about the then and there as we study this story today. First of all, the area that we're looking at is northern Israel. So that is known as Samaria. So northern Israel, Samaria. Southern Israel is known as Judah. So if you've been reading and you hear Samaria and Judah, it simply means the northern part of Israel and the southern part of Israel. So this story that we're talking about today is in the northern part known as Samaria. Also in that area, there have been many different kings, and a lot of them have been wicked since the time of Solomon, and they've been leading the nation farther away from God, leading them to worship other gods like Baal and Asherah and Moloch. But also during this time, God has been speaking through prophets. So these prophets call people back to the Lord. So warning them of things to come, telling them what's up, and just calling them back to that righteousness of God. And one of those prophets that we're going to be talking about today, his name is Elisha. So Elisha literally means, my God is salvation. So he's bringing people back um, to that loving God that they once knew. We're also going to be talking about olive oil today. So we might see olive oil as something that you cook with um, or maybe garnish a salad with. But in that time, it had a lot of cultural weight to it. It was used in medicinal purposes for healing and for being well. It was also used for a fuel source and obviously for food. But it really meant how abundant you were in this life. If you were well off, you had a lot of oil. If you weren't, you didn't have oil. So as we talk about it today, it really has a lot of cultural weight to it. And that's been a little bit about the then and there of the story we're going to be talking about today. So let's look at this together. If you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to open to 2 Kings chapter 4, and we're going to start reading at verse 1. And if you didn't bring a Bible with you, there is a Bible in the seat um, in front of you, maybe one or two seats over. It's that blue Bible, and you can turn to page 176. And I want to encourage everyone to open the scripture and to follow along as we look at this story in 2 Kings chapter 4. And 
Once again, this is about a prophet named Elisha. Prophet was simply um, a man of God that was calling the people through his words and through his actions back to return to the heart of God. And so we're following um, this story of this prophet named Elisha. And this is what it says in 2 Kings chapter 4. It says, Now the wife of one of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord, but the creditor has come to take my two children to be his slaves. The creditor has come to take my two children to be his slaves. So go ahead and hold that place right there, and let's look at what's going on. We're immediately thrown into this story where Elisha, I don't know if he was from this area or if he's just passing through, but this lady stops him. She begins to cry out to him, hey, you're a man of God. You're, you're a prophet. You speak on behalf of the Lord, and I've got something going on in my life. There was something happening, and she was calling attention to it, and she said, hey, my husband, who's your servant, so obviously Elisha knew this person, he's dead. And now I'm facing this situation where we have this outstanding debt and the creditors are coming and they're going to call this debt and my two children are going to be taken away. In this moment, there's this desperation, I imagine, that is there in her voice, okay? She's not probably talking calmly and quietly. There's probably this anxiousness, there's this stress of, I don't know what to do. And God, I followed you. My husband was a man of God. He was someone that lived for you. Our family has served you. And once again, Samaria was not known as a place where a lot of people served God. There were others worshiping a lot of false gods, but their family had been true. And so she's saying, God, why after we lived for you? Why after we gave our lives for you? Why after we ministered to others and we tried to follow your word? Why are you allowing this to happen to us? There's a problem going on in her life. Now, culturally, it's a little bit different. She's saying, hey, I've got this debt, and now that my husband is dead, they're going to come and call this debt. They're going to come and try to collect on it, and if I don't have the money, they're going to take my kids into slavery, okay? A little bit different than American Express or Capital One, okay? Because hopefully they're not going to come to your house and enslave someone, but that's what it was like back then. If you could not pay your debt, and that person wanted to call the debt, they could take one of your family members or they could take the main person and they could enslave them. And they weren't necessarily gonna give you a fair wage, okay? They weren't looking at the minimum wage standard, whatever it was at that point. They would just pay you whatever they wanted to. So your debt, you had to continue to work as a slave for the entire time until they looked at you and said, okay, your debt has now been paid off. You're free to go. And this mother is in anguish. This mother is stressed out. She's frustrated, like, what am I going to do, God? Why did you allow this to happen? She's looking at her two sons that she has taken care of, that she's held in her lap, that she's played with and laughed with, that she's um, helped them whenever they were sick and comforted them, that she's dreamed of what their life would be like, what it would be like for them to get married and for them to grow old and for them to have kids, all of these things. And in this moment, she realizes all of this could be changed. Their future could look vastly different because there is a problem. My husband has died and we don't have a way to pay this debt. And as I started to look at this and really think through what's going on, if you take a moment and you just place yourself in her shoes. Sometimes I think we read Bible stories, and even if you don't know the exact story, you think it's all going to turn out okay, right? This is about God. God's going to do something. It's all going to be okay. But she doesn't know the outcome. And you've probably faced a situation in your life 
where you didn't know the outcome, where you were like her crying out saying, God, I'm trying to follow you. I'm trying to do what's right, God. I'm trying to listen to your voice. And it seems like bad stuff is happening to me. It seems like my family members are getting sick or it seems like I don't have enough money in the bank account, God. All of this is going on. And why are you doing this, Lord? See, each of us have faced a moment like that and that's what she's going through. There was a problem and there was a situation in her life. But as I read through this passage and as we look at this, I started to think and reflect on this idea, and it was this right here, that it was her problem that allowed a doorway or opened a doorway to God's provision. And it's like that in your life and in my life. See, it's actually the problem. It's our problems that are a doorway to God's provision in our life. That may seem like a funny thing to focus on in this story as we're talking about the wonders of God and the supernatural power of God, but those things can't happen if there aren't problems or situations in our life. See, it was actually the difficulty that she was going through that opened the door for God to step in and to do something miraculous, for God to work inside of her life. It was the fact that her sons were about to be carried away into slavery that all of a sudden helped her to lift up her voice and say, God, you have to do something. Work through Elisha. I need some answers, God. I need you to show up here in this situation. And it's like that every time in Scripture. I don't know if you've stopped and thought about that, but every single time God does something amazing, God does something supernatural, there's a wonder of God in Scripture, it's because first there's a problem. The people of Israel, if you've read this story, come out of 400 years of slavery and they are being chased down by the Egyptian army and they don't know where to go and they're not soldiers yet and they don't know how to fight. And so what does God do? He splits the Red Sea and they walk across on dry land. And then when they turn around, when they're on the other side, they're looking at the Egyptian army coming and the waters crash down. God shows up. Why? Because they have a problem. They have nowhere to go and they're trapped up against the sea and they don't have a way to fight. You look in the time of Jesus and you've got 5,000 people out in the wilderness listening to Jesus teach and they start to get hungry. What's the problem? They have no food. And Jesus takes a little boy's lunch, five loaves of bread, two small fish, and he begins to pray over it and break it and multiply it. And God does something miraculous where over 5,000 individuals are fed and they've eaten their full, all because there was a situation, there was a problem, and God shows up. It's actually the opportunities in our life. It's those moments where we're desperate. It's those moments where we don't know where to turn and we don't know what else to do that opens the door for God to begin to move, for God to operate in our lives and that happens. Now, I want you to hear me this morning. I don't want you walking out of here thinking, Pastor Aaron says God allows bad things to happen in our life, okay? I'm not saying God causes sickness in your life. I'm not saying God causes financial difficulty or God puts those things on you, but I believe that God uses every opportunity every circumstance in our life, even our brokenness, even our sins, even our faults and our failures. And God takes those and he turns them around so that he can do something miraculous, so that he can work in a supernatural way when we don't know what to do on our own. When we're facing a problem that's bigger than us, we serve a God who is able to step in, who's able to open a door to an opportunity that we did not see. And he shows up in supernatural ways. That's the kind of God that we serve. And I was thinking about this this week, and I read this story that I thought, man, that's such an amazing picture. It happened in the 1940s. 
And there was a young man named Percy Spencer, and he had served in the military. It was right around the time of World War II, and the war was coming to an end. He was a scientist, and he studied um, some radioactive waves and um, some magnetron waves and all of these different kinds of waves, and he had focused them into a radar system so that um, the United States Army could detect where tanks were or even submarines or different things or ships at that time. Um, where those were at. And so that was his job. But as the war was coming to an end, he got nervous. And he was thinking, hey, the army's not going to be fighting anymore in this way. Will I have a job? And so he started to study, how else can these be used? So he's in the lab one day, and he's working with these kind of waves, these different waves, and he gets hungry, so he's eating a chocolate bar. And he puts it in his pocket, and he gets in the middle of these waves, and the next time he reaches into his pocket, it's melted. There's just like chocolate puddles in his pocket, okay? And and so he reaches in, there's chocolate all over his hands, and he thinks, that's weird. A chocolate bar shouldn't melt that fast. And then he puts two and two together, and he says, I think it has something to do with these waves. And so what does he do? He gets some popcorn kernels, and he sticks them in the middle of the waves. And you don't have to be a smart person to figure out what happens. They pop, right? They start popping, and all of a sudden, he has discovered microwave technology. And so if you've ever nuked a meal, you've ever made some microwave popcorn, you can thank Percy Spencer, okay, from the 1940s. And his innovation, what was a problem is he didn't know if he had a job. He didn't know what he would do. He didn't know what that was. And yet there was an opportunity. And I think that's what God does over and over and over and over again in our lives. We face situations that are beyond us, and God doesn't just see them as an obstacle, but he sees them as an opportunity, and he opens the door for us. And so instead of our hearts, whenever we're facing a situation, being full of despair, we need to have hope. Instead of depression, there should be an expectation in our life. God, I don't know what's going to happen, Lord. I don't even see the way out, God, but I trust you. I know you're bigger than this circumstance. I know you're bigger than this situation. And like this young widow, we need to start crying out and saying, God, you've got to do something, Lord. I need you to step in and move in this situation. God, I'm trusting that you'll take the problems in my life. And Lord, somehow you'll make a way. You'll bring your provision, God. You'll do something amazing and supernatural in our life. That's what we're believing. And so the story goes on. If you still have your Bibles open, 2 Kings chapter 4, we read this. She says, the creditor's coming, and he's going to take my two sons and turn them into slaves. And Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? And she said, your servant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time, but I just want to quickly draw your attention to this. She knew her situation was hopeless. She's probably looking at the prophet saying, do you think I'm stupid? If I had something in my house, I would not be coming to you asking you for help. There's no coins. There's no gold. I have nothing in my house. I'm broke. My husband has died. I don't know where we're going to get income from. I don't know where to turn. That's why I'm coming to you. And then she remembers, wait, I I do have something. I have a little bit of oil. And most likely because of the region that they were in, this was olive oil. And just like you heard in the video, this was used for everything. But she says, I just have a little bit of olive oil. Like she would have known, okay, this much olive oil, I can light the lamp for this long. This will last this many days. Or I can cook this many 
meals. I can mix this with flour and I can make a little cake, a little bread. Like she knew what she could do with this. She was kind of the director of her household. She would have taken care of this. She knew, hey, all this I have is a little bit of oil, but this isn't going to do much. This is not going to pay off our debt. This is not going to keep the creditors at bay. This isn't going to do anything. That's why I'm coming to you. And yet in this moment, as I was just thinking about the wonder of God and how that works in our life, I think there's so many times where we're telling God it's impossible. We have nothing except God, I have nothing in my life, well, except this, but you can't really use that, God. And God is so amazing because he takes the little that we have. God can use what you have to provide a miracle in your life. God takes the brokenness, once again. He takes the mistakes, even the messed up parts of our life, and he turns them around to do something miraculous, to work inside of you, to move in your life in a way that you couldn't have expected. She would have never thought, God, you're gonna do something with this little bit of oil that I have, and somehow this is gonna save my family. Somehow this is gonna take care of us. She said, I have nothing except a little bit of oil. And God said, okay, then that's what I'll use. And church, this story is reminding us as we look at the wonders of God, he takes the little in your life. But God, I'm insignificant. But Lord, there are people that are more qualified. God, there are so many more people that could be doing this better. He takes the little that you feel about yourself. He even takes your shortcomings and your faults and he turns them around and he does something miraculous with them. Let me close by looking at this last part of the passage. This is what it says. Then he said, go outside Borrow vessels from all your neighbors, empty vessels and not too few. Then go in and shut the door behind yourself and your sons and pour into all of these vessels. And when one is full, set it aside. And so she went from him and she shut the door behind herself and her sons. And as they brought the vessels, she poured into them. And she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another. And then the oil stopped flowing. She came and she told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on the rest. There's so much in this last part. I wish I had time to go into detail about this. She was inviting other people into the miracle that God was doing in her life, the wonders. I mean, imagine as she returned that vessel, the story that she had to tell. Hey, you're never gonna believe what God did with this empty jar. Hey, you lent this to me and it was empty, but God filled it up and she could tell this story. Imagine what her sons experienced with the wonder of God. They knew growing up, do you remember back to that time when we had nothing and we were gonna be slaves and God showed up and he did something miraculous with those empty vessels. There's so much going on here as we look at the wonder of God, but I just wanna draw your attention to this last point and it was this. God's wonders give you more than you asked for. See, you look at the start of the story, all she wanted was to pay off her debts. That was really it. Elisha, you've got to help me. You've got to do something. I just need a little bit of money. She wasn't thinking about what was going to happen after that, how she was going to provide. Her husband was it. She wasn't looking at any of that. She just thought, meet the immediate need right now. Just don't let them take my sons and make them slaves. And God says, okay, I'll do that, but I'll do so much more. And at the end of this, she's pouring over and over as she's filling all of those vessels and she looks around at everything that God has provided. It's so much more than she had ever asked for. And Elisha says, hey, go ahead, go sell all of that, pay off your debts. And then you know what? God's done more. You can live off of the rest. 
There's abundance there. God doesn't just do what we ask for. He goes exceedingly above and beyond all that we could imagine, all that we could think, all that we could ask for. God has so much more in store for us. He is the God of wonders. He is the God that provides and does amazing things in our life. So let me show you what this was like. Just so you have a visual here. This is what she expected to happen, okay? When you have a little bit of oil and you pour it into a jar and it says that she had a lot, what's going to happen after you pour for a few seconds? Yep, it's going to run out. It's not a trick question, you guys, okay? It will run out. The laws of, I don't know, physics or nature and all of that stuff says if you only have a little bit and you pour for a few seconds, it's going to run out. That's what she expected to happen. And yet God does something supernatural with the nothingness With the empty air, the empty space in that vessel, he continues to multiply. He continues to provide. He continues to do more than she ever thought would happen. And she's looking around, and there's no more empty vessels. All of them have been filled. And now everything that she needs has been taken care of. Not just what she asked for, but above and beyond. That's how God shows up. And church, I'm here to remind you this morning, he is a God of wonders. That's what he wants to do in your life. Not just meet the bare minimum of the needs in your life, but he wants to go above and beyond. And when you look and you feel like I'm empty, God, I have nothing to offer. I have nothing to give. He wants to take that nothingness and the emptiness, and he wants to do something amazing. He wants to multiply it, and he wants to provide all of your needs, and he wants to take care of you. That's the kind of God that he is. And as we've been walking through this series And talking about this, I think I mentioned this the first week, but John Jones, many of you guys know him. He's been helping us with some of the research and just kind of looking at the cultural significance of some of these stories. And I loved it in his notes this week as I was reading through those and reflecting on this. He said, Aaron, this is a picture of what Christ has done. This is just a beautiful example in the Old Testament of what God did for us. See, I don't know if you've made the correlation, but... Scripture is very clear that you and I, we have sinned. We've messed up. You may not know it, but the wages of your sin is death. And the Bible says that we are slaves to sin. We're slaves to our addictions. We're slaves to things that have a hold of us, the evil in our world. It enslaves us, and we have no way to pay the debt on our own. And yet Christ comes, and he steps in the middle And he provides, he gives his blood, he gives his life freely. He goes to the cross for you and for me. And the beautiful thing is he doesn't run out. The grace of God, the love of God, the forgiveness of God. There are so many times in my life where I think, God, I've used it up. And he continues to pour it over me. He continues to pour it over you. When you think, God, there cannot be one more time you can forgive me. God, I keep on messing up. He says, I've got more for you. It's not going to run out. It's not going to be empty. That's what God does for us. And so as we...